Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and presenter. Today, we have with us Adam Powley, who has been a guest several times, one of my faves. So glad to have him back on. And today, we're chatting about uh, reflecting, renewing, and rebooting your game. But before we dive into that, I need this guy to give himself a little shout out because it's been... It's been a few episodes since you've been on. Well, thanks for having me on again. I'm Adam Powley. I'm a dual enrollment American history teacher in uh, South Carolina. Um, I am in full spring break. I'm sorry, summer break mode now. So, you know, <laughs> didn't have to shave today. Um, I write, uh, I blog at uh, classroompowerups.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to a nice, relaxing, rebooting summer vacation. Nice. And uh, definitely check out uh, Classroom Power Ups because that is such a great blog. I got to admit, it inspires me and I get plenty of ideas from you uh, as well. You're, you're, you're very helpful in this, well, in, this, in this world, not only to the students you. you serve, but to all of us via our PLNs. So thank you. Well, thanks. It's uh, my reflections, actually. So I'm glad it helps others, too. Well, I mean, let's start there. Uh, we got three words here, reflect, renew, and reboot. So maybe we should break the show into those sort of three segments. Looking at reflecting, uh, what's the, specifically as a gamifying teacher, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about that reflection of our game and thinking through our game as it winds down here or as it ends here as you, you're on summer break here. Well, you know, what, what are some of the reasons you think it's important to sort of decompress there? Well, a number of different reasons. I, when I first started gamification, somebody told me about the uh, game design concept of beta testing, the mm -hmm. idea that the game is never quite finished and you're always going to be improving it and changing it. And I really took that to heart. And I mean, I, I think every year um, I try to I give my students now a Google form where they can uh, give me some feedback. Um, it's nothing official. The, my administrators don't see it. Um, but I want to know what they liked, what they found effective, uh, what obstacles they faced, and, and how we can change that and overcome it and make it better. Um, and it just makes our practice better when we're reflecting what uh, really is useful and, and what is sort of unnecessary, especially from the student's point of view. Uh, I think that that's a really <clears throat> powerful thing to keep in mind, and I hope people that are listening out there really think about adding a, a survey either at the end of the year, middle of the year. I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but um, hearing from the students themselves directly about your game is a sweet idea. And we have to like recognize that even you and I who have gamified now for years, mm -hmm. we've, we've still never played our game, right? Like we're, we're the game designer. Like we, no matter what, no matter how much we try to see it from the player's perspective, we're not the player though. We've never been the player. And so right. I think it's, it's important to elicit those like conversation pieces from our students, from the game player and, and not worry so much about like, not take it personal, like take that information and like craft a better game, cut out the things that aren't working and, and, you know, make the game more potent, I guess. Well, I mean, probably three fourths is three fourths of the stuff that they tell me. I know what they're going to say. Um, I know generally what worked and what didn't work, but there's always some surprising element, uh, some item I didn't think of, some um, tool that they wanted that I just, you know, didn't didn't think that they would need. Um, and 
by doing that, it really makes me think about the student's experience first. So, I mean, we talk about internal, external motivations all the time and gamification and, and you know, where is it good, where is it bad? Uh, but I think what's really helped me with this whole like philosophy is that it's, it's making me put myself in the student's position more and makes mm -hmm. me think about their experience. Uh, and that reflective piece, you know, helps keep me young, but it also hopefully makes <laughs> their experience better. So, uh, in my experience, it has, I mean, really like, like I said, it's, it's, it's allowed me to sort of trim that fat a little bit and, you know, really just make a concentrated, awesome game. And every year too, I'm trying new things. Like we said, you know, I, it's always beta testing. I, my game's never done. Uh, and with that, with each new piece added, I don't always know how that's going to affect all the other pieces that are in play. Like sometimes I just, I've designed this new piece and the new piece is great and I love the new piece. And then I, I forget like, oh, but I have like these items, like how will that affect the items? Or do I need to invent new items because now I have this new piece, you know, all these various things. And, and it's hard to keep it all straight and it's really helpful to have some student feedback along the way uh, and, and it, both formal and informal. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid of thinking through but also like inviting your students to be part of that reflective process as well. That's the uh, the disruptor type, right? The ones that just want to help make the game better. And if you can get them on your side, they're not going to try to break the game. They're going to try to help improve the game. They become allies instead of opponents. That's right. That's right. I had a, I actually learned a new term a couple of years ago from a kid. Uh, have you heard of OP? Like oh yeah, a, an item oh. is OP. Yeah, they figured out how, they figured out how to break my game, and then they said, "By the way, Mr. Powley, <laughs> this is overpowered." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." So, yeah, if you hear students saying something's OP, you're, you know, have your ears out uh, up for oh, that yeah. one, and like, <laughs> make sure we correct our game that way. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like reflecting through my game is always a big piece. I do it every year, and I try to do it actually throughout the year. Uh, mm -hmm. but then moving kind of that second piece, the renewing of your game, um, you've, you've been gamifying for quite some time. And I, I think much like me every mm -hmm. year brought new major core changes to how your game worked. Mm -hmm. First off, why do you feel like that's important? Well, I mean, I, I really think that, um, kind of like what you mentioned before, trimming the fat, um, there are things that are unnecessary that that I thought were going to be really cool that turned out to be just bothersome for the students. Um, and we can think of better practice. We learned some new you know skill that is unrelated to gamification, um, but is something that is going to help the students learn better. So um, I I had to really figure out a way to add things like Socratic seminars into my game. Um, when I first started, I my game was very much um, uh, points based, like a leaderboard. And I wanted to get that leaderboard up and I wanted to show who was improving and who wasn't. And then I realized that that made things so focused on gaining points that we weren't having time to have discussions in class. So mm -hmm. I had to figure out a way the next year to, to kind of pull back on that a little bit so that we could have you know, different learning experiences that weren't part of the game that I had originally intended. And just for a point of clarification here, you at that time were having your points and kind of your grades co-mingle there, right? I did. I did. Um, you know, for the last four or five years, I'd been doing uh, the XP grading system, which I, I, I still feel was an improvement over traditional grades. Mm -hmm. um, but 
yeah, I am changing it next year. I'm going to move more to a standards-based grading system. Um, I'm still in the process of deciding if I want to keep the XP uh, as a, a, a points system so I can have like leaderboards and such. But uh, there's a couple of issues with the XP grading that I've decided um, I'm going to, to scrap and start start fresh with. And you know where I stand on that one from, uh, for those of you listening, if you've watched or listened to the last <laughs> episode 113, uh, I think those two should be separate, but yeah. I encourage you to still think about using the XP system as a game system because mm. it, it allows a lot of things like levels for your items and like reasons to sort of move up. Uh, there are a lot of kids like that are those achievers that kind of like that status of growing up. There's others mm. that don't, but like I just talk about micro goal setting with my students, you know, so if you're ranked 60th, try to get in the 50s. Don't don't necessarily shoot for like number one, but mm -hmm. it, it gives them sort of that like growth mindset. And I kind of like that. And I will say as somebody who does something similar to standard based grading, it's also nice to have something <laughs> that has a greater volume yeah. to it. I mean, like students slave away and get a four. Versus like yeah. the kids that kind of didn't slave away, they got a three. That's like a one point difference. Mentally, that's hard to take. So it's sometimes nice to also have these side quests or these other things that you can kind of be like, you earned a thousand points for this. Uh, I know right. it sounds silly. I know it sounds crazy, but the game psychology is there. It makes a difference. So for what yeah. it's worth, think about it. it. It falls into the rebooting section that we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, but I, I think that when I started the XP grading, I, I had always thought that the, the traditional grading always felt awkward to me. Um, is very mathematical. It was kind of category weights. The students got always got upset with, you know, where they they would get a zero and it would just wreck their grade, or they would start off badly in the semester and it wouldn't help. You know, they had a hard time at the end making it up. Um, so I always thought the XP grading was better than than that. Um, but I, I kind of ran into the problem of grinding. Uh, the, the, another game term you're probably familiar with, mm -hmm. if not, the idea of grinding or, or farming is where you can do kind of basic tasks over and over and over again to earn points in a game. Uh, this is kind of what you see in, in RPGs, where um, you can just kind of battle the easiest bosses until you can level up to the next level and you get more strength. Um, I, I've been finding that with a lot of my students, and this is why I'm switching the grading system, is because... Um, I had students that were just, you know, they were going and finding the easiest tasks that they could do. And, and I couldn't tell them that they didn't earn the points because they had done the work and, and it felt like they had found a way to, to break the system. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm rebooting and trying to try to figure out a way to, to try to improve that and, and get rid of that little trick that someone figured out. Nice. Uh, so again, with me separating it out, uh, there isn't really like a way to like grind out for a grade because they're separate right. but what i like is when they're separate this notion of like grinding something out like doing a lot of low level tasks but often that that doesn't like bother me you know what i mean like mm -hmm. a kid if a sixth grader wants to sit there and do like a bunch of vocab squares day after day after day after day to get a very small amount of xp but eventually lots of small things added up create the change that's fine with me. Like they, then they know that vocab, you know, and, yep. and some other kid that goes home and does some like awesome side quest That's very creative. They had to like build or paint or whatever the case may be. And they, they get there after one project, as opposed to this kid doing like 20 vocab squares, like 
that's that's a okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm seeing the the possible benefits of that. So you've won me over. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, but uh, yeah. So again, this this I was, the question I posed to you is like, why is it important to renew? I I think for my own sake, it's fun. Like, if if I was just the same, I mean, like imagine being a a conductor of a like symphony, and if you played the same pieces year over year, like there's no passion there, right? You know, like so if I was to just roll out the same game and be like, here are the same items, here are the same things, here are the same bosses, here are the same challenges. Oh man, like I wouldn't be inspired, and then that wouldn't make me the top of my game. And so I always have to have some sort of new piece. And sometimes those new pieces work out better than others. Some some of those new pieces die pretty quickly. <laughs> but, yeah, that reminds me. I was I was listening to, or maybe I was reading something about Lin Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And he was he he recently went to Puerto Rico and did this benefit uh, down there for you know, two weeks. And he had to reassume that role that he had had played for a couple of years on Broadway. And the idea of going back to that role was just it it kind of horrified him because it was such a drag after the having such a long extended stay that it was it was physically challenging to to have to get back into that role. So I, I completely see what you mean by the the idea that it's renewing and refreshing to change something, to be to have that opportunity to be creative. Oh, it's like a it's like a burst of energy. And and when I think of probably the unit that I still do the the this isn't necessarily have to do with gamification, but the unit that has the longest standing like very little change in it is my Greek unit. And we do this like Greek Olympics. It's a lot of fun. But I do have to say like, I have to like mentally remind myself like, be excited about this. Like these are these kids first year doing this, but it's like my Mm -hmm. ninth year probably pretty much teaching it the same way. But it's like every year on all the surveys, they like love this Greek unit. And like I, they tell me basically don't touch it. And so I really haven't. It's like one of the only ones that have like stayed but it's really, like you're saying, it's hard to assume that role again and be like, we're excited, we're doing the Greek Olympics again, and who's going to win? <laughs> and like, ah, like I've done that. This will be my 10th time next year doing that, yeah. you know? And uh, it's important. It's important to like renew and add those new new bits. And even in that unit, to be honest, I've <laughs> tweaked some things so that there could be some sort of drive there. But in my game, when I shift and I add something new, oh man, it's an explosion. It's like a new, whole new category, like I said, in in a gamified class where everything connects, all of a sudden you got to rethink items. You got to think like guilds and houses or whatever the words are for your game. Um, All these new things can affect all these other things. Yeah. um, I kind of think of it as Lego sometimes. Um, I keep some of the ideas, but I break them down and I can rebuild them and different ways. So I might have similar units and I might use similar sources. I teach in American history where we use primary sources a lot. So I might use the same sources, but I'm going to use them in a different way. Um, that that's kind of that tweaking idea that I, that, that we're getting at, I think. Yeah. So this year, this past year, you've reflected over it. What was something that you tried new this year in your game, whether or not that makes it to the cut of next year? Sounds like you're doing a pretty big rebuild, but yeah, the um, the grading system I'm scrapping and, and starting over, and that has allowed me. It's freed me up to do a lot of other things. Uh, this year, I had tried doing some digital world maps, 
So I found this really cool website. It's called uh, Asgard.com, uh, Asgard Fantasy Maps. And it's just this random land generator. And I thought it'd be fun to have it digital where the students could click on areas of the map and kind of explore freely. And um, it bombed. I mean, it just, it fell flat. The students were confused. They couldn't get back to the places that they'd been. Um, I hid Easter eggs all over. It took forever to build these world maps. And um, the students didn't like it, and it was just time consuming. And, and but using the idea of the map is helping me to. They they didn't like the digital element of it, which I thought is really neat. Uh, almost every student that I got feedback from said that they're on their computers way too much every day, um, so they want more physical hands-on stuff. So here, here. We're we're rebooting now, and and we're I'm going to take more stuff off of the the laptops, off of the digital. And we're going to have a giant board game in our room that we're going to be able to, to play and interact with um, and just have more hands-on activities. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I have had a similar growth over the years. Uh, I started with everything physical, basically nothing digital. Then over the years, a slow march to more and more digital uh, with just creative names and links to things to eventually like a big world where like, like everything's graphical and hidden links and you got to like think to be like, well, I want to open the door. So I'm going to click the door and that would take you inside. And then like you'd have to click around and be like, Ooh, if I move this, it like it's a secret door. Yeah. Um, really neat. But each year that that got bigger, my survey response got smaller on liking that online game component to, to this year, finally being the break point where less than half said they liked the online world and so middle of the year i did a big change i switched from this like thematic you know world that they had to play through to just a google site which was more like probably anybody's classroom it was just like here's a button for like classwork here's a button for side quests you know and then they'd click that and it would show all the side quests for this unit like none of it was like hidden none of it you had to find there was no character saying like you know you found this thing can you go on this channel like nothing it was just straight up here's a bunch of stuff you can do and like i said that was around 50 percent. like some was sad to see the website go some were okay uh but ultimately what it freed me up to do is build a lot more tangible physical elements within the class and one of them that i'm very excited to vlog about coming up i was unable to vlog about it in the school year but uh i started doing an avatar system this year and now on two and a half bulletin boards i have all these buildings kids can quote unquote go to and they will take their avatar and literally like hang it up in the blacksmith shop and Oh, that's fun. I like that idea. Like when it activates, like, which they activate like about once a week when they activate, then I'll be like, oh, Adam's at the blacksmith shop. This is what it does. What do you, you know, what do you want? What are you creating? But uh, that physical element played out far better than any of the digital elements where I was kind of like, you're going off to this adventure. Like, meh. But everybody liked that physical. Yeah. I started the year off with what you described with just a website. People would click on the boxes to get their missions. And then I switched over to this other map and it was just, it was too complicated. So we're, we're, we're going to pull back on that one a little bit. We're going to pull back on that <laughs> a little bit. All right. So yeah. like, let's get to that third word here, that reboot. So, you know, here we are. We're, if you're, whenever you're listening to this episode, for Adam and I, it's the, literally like 
day one of summer and mm-hmm. uh you know we're we're already thinking towards that reboot of next year and adam's already teased out that he's going to definitely change that core element of the game grading system uh, mm-hmm. but i'm sure with that's going to come quite a bit of other things i definitely am thinking about major changes in my game as well and how i can reboot that and restart that year strong yeah, I've written about this a bit on my blog already. So if you're interested to check it out, it's uh, classroompowerups.com. Um, I have a 2019-2020 uh, game reboot sort of um, rough draft idea. And I've got some really cool feedback on it. Actually, uh, your discussion with Carrie inspired me on my theme. Um, it's going to be about uh, time zombies coming and and um, uh, in this giant world map. And, and this thing is giant. It's seven feet wide by six feet tall and... Uh, students are going to be able to move around the board in, in guilds. And um, I'm using a lot of the mechanics from Pandemic. Um, nice. So every Monday or Tuesday, um, we're going to flip a card that's going to give us a location on the map and a time zombie outbreak is going to appear. And they have to, somebody has to travel there and eliminate it. Um, and they're going to earn points. It just, it, it's, it's really cool. I, I don't want to just spend the whole time talking about it, but I, I think it's going to be awesome um, because the, the students are going to have to work together collaboratively. One of the things I really love about uh, pandemic is that you're competing against the game and not against each other. You have the, the players all have to work together. They have their own individual responsibilities and powers, but they have to work collaboratively to make sure that they, that the whole group wins the game And that's kind of what I'm thinking about next year for for the student game is that, you know, the students are going to have to strategize together, plan together, and then implement whatever their design is together um, in order to to achieve success in the game. That's awesome. I I have a few follow-up questions that I'm sure (laughs) our listeners would have and appreciate. One, where are you going to put this ginormous seven by six foot map? Uh, I am blessed with a large room with a with um, enough seating where I can um, have it on the wall. Um, so I'm going to have it on the wall. Um, like, but, I've seen but some other a, people but, have. But just a standard yep. wall, right? Because like there is no bulletin board that's seven. No, I do not have feet. a. I do not have a bulletin board. What I did was buy cork boards, like the little one by one uh, cork wall things, uh, and I now I have a cork board. And the students will just put in pins where their characters are going to be. Um, and is so, every student so far that's, that's working? Every oh, student's no, not, got every student. Every student won't. Um, they're going to be in. I have six nations, and then I'll have small groups, guilds in each one of the classes. So it'll be about twenty different people on the board, which sounds like a lot, but it's there's a lot of little. Spaces. Not when it's not when it's six <laughs> by seven. It's huge. Right, right. So they're going to be be able to move quite a bit. All right. And uh, so you already have one function is that these zombies are coming. What are some other reasons that they need to travel around the board and move around the board? It can't just be that there's one popped up here. Right. So they're in my head. And again, this might change. No, no, yeah, this, <laughs> is day, have, this is day one of I have, summer. I have, I have a couple of, of win sakes. So I want them to be able to sign a, uh, a, a zombie accord uh, with the other nations. So they have... Uh, the guilds would have to travel to the capitals of each one of the other nations, which are the other um, uh, groups in the class, and they would have to 
complete a mission in the other capital, and then we'll flip a coin to see if the other nation will sign this zombie accord or not, which means like a national, like a, a defense league. Um, so that would be one way if, if every nation can get every other nation to sign this zombie peace accord. Uh, that would be a win condition. Or um, guilds can travel to what I'm calling oracles, like these random locations on the map, and um, it'll be kind of like a breakout puzzle. So if the guild can figure out how to break out the uh, clue from the oracle, um, they would get uh, a, a hint where somewhere physically in the building we will have uh, something that they'll have to bring back to their to the room so that it'll uh, help to end this zombie apocalypse. It'll be some sort of a primary source that'll fix the time stream kind of thing. That's so. super cool. I'm loving this. I can't wait to hear more on your blog yeah. and maybe a follow-up well played too. <laughs> this sounds really great in its infancy. Well, thanks. I love it. It's a, a labor what's of gonna, love. <laughs> yeah, what's going to cause them to move on the board? Is there like a curriculum sort of thing where like if they their work product's good enough, they get to move 10 spots or what? Yeah, they, I there, I have a couple of ideas. Um, Meehan, John Meehan, is mm -hmm. that how you say his name? Yep. Um, he talks about these break-in puzzles instead of breakout games. It's break-in games, kind of like station work. Um so if they can solve those stations, uh, that would be something they would give them points. Um, I am moving away from the the tests and quizzes as being a focus, but I want to still Good. be able to get that data. So um, I have some mechanics built in where uh, if they take the quizzes, they'll be able to earn points uh, to move around the board. So uh, that's, that's kind of the movement idea is uh, getting some points that way that they can kind of move around with. Nice. Uh, for me... My reboot, uh, next year in sixth grade, so the sixth grade science teacher, she has always gamified her class. I've gamified mine. Some years they were like bigger together, like solid game. Some years they were completely separate. Most of our years they've been completely separate. We have a new English teacher. She just finished her first year being the sixth grade English teacher, and she, she wants to go all in. She wants to go all in on gamification. So uh, we're going to have three separate games happening at once. And uh, so part of this reboot, I really want to think about ways to... We all want to have ways that our games can interact with each other. And But it's it's hard when there are three separate like themes. Like I'm in Middle Ages Europe, basically. Mm -hmm. One's like... The science one is a futuristic corporation that has to kind of like go back in time and fix things. Then the English teacher is planning a dystopian theme, you know. So how those three could possibly like dovetail and align, I'm not certain. But we're going to try to figure that out. And my other big reboot piece is uh, I really want to try to think of ways to collaborate outside of your typical core curriculum. So uh, I want to try to figure out a way to maybe do something with PE, do something with arts, do something mm. with like drama, those kind of things. Um, and I've already set up a few meetings with PE actually is my first goal here. I think there'd be a lot that could dovetail together. They're going to, they do a track and field unit and they said they'll put them in teams based on my houses, which I think will be kind of cool that they show up there you know, maybe I like unlock something in PE for my class. 
Well, that uh, sounds like uh, it'd go well with your Olympics unit. That would go well with my Olympics unit. They also, in sixth grade, do archery. So I think that that would be, like, that goes with medieval times. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's plenty of things there. I want to reboot and do that next year. Um, I also want to streamline the game a little bit. Uh, some things I, I make be several steps because I want it to, like, feel difficult. But uh, some of them, I think I made too many steps. Like it's like if you really like think it through, for a kid to go on that particular quest or get this particular item, it might take like two months. Mm-hmm. And like in school time, that's too slow. Like that's like you're. If it's too slow, you're basically at some point not even playing. Then right, like it's like you almost forget. Like it's not rewarding when you're like, oh yeah, like I guess I did achieve that. You know, like well then you weren't really trying. It's just happened over two months i'd rather have something happen over like two weeks or three weeks where that's like a target and they like got to it so i want to like think through some of that um yeah those are those are some big changes also thinking about changing something on my leaderboard um i'm thinking about currently i have shown all the the ranks of everyone I'm thinking about possibly only showing the top 30 because that in my game is kind of a, I don't want to say a win condition, but that that's what you get if you win. The top 30 players get sort of immortalized. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about just showing the top 30, but then I don't know, do the bottom need to know exactly where they're at? Or is the bottom heard... just completely in the dark? Do I have to give them like private information? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think that through. I never figure out how to crack this nut, but I have been told that the best kinds of leaderboards are the ones where you can see the like the five people ahead of you and the five people behind you. So you can yeah. always feel like you have a level to go up, but you're not I've so w- far away from the, the head that it's dismotivating or demotivating. I've worked on that. I have a prototype a little bit. It, it works a little bit like my for anybody that uses my standard-based grading sheets where mm-hmm. each kid gets an individualized sheet. I have a gamified version that's prototype. I can't really use it yet, but maybe I'll work on that this summer mm-hmm. where it's just, it does that. You see like your, your achievements, your things. You can see like who's kind of above and below you per se, your particular rank. And then that way I could just display like, like I said, the top 10 or top 15 or something like that because you'd have that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. These are all things up in the air. Uh, I will figure them out over summer. That's a guarantee. I- I call all these my half-baked ideas. They're just That's right. not, not quite ready yet, but they're in the works. So, Well, Adam, uh, it is reflection time, and Adam has been such a uh, mainstay here, guest on the show, that Adam actually has brought his own quote of the day, well, own reflection, if you will, quote, and I believe this one comes from a student. Yeah, this is my student. We were on a college tour, and I saw a door that seemed to open onto nothing in, in a dorm room. It just opened onto grass, and I thought it was so weird. And I mentioned it, and he looked at me and said, Mr. Pauly, and this is our quote, every door leads somewhere. It's up to you to decide where it goes. And that's, <laughs> that's by Jackson Parson. Jackson, I like it. I like it if you're out there listening to this, to this episode. Uh, so you want to go first? You want me to go first on that one? Well, I usually go first, so I'm going to let you go first this time. Ooh, his you, quote. You my, me go first. All right. Uh, as far as in relation to what we're talking about, about like 
sort of this whole reflecting, renewing, and rebooting, uh, this quote fits really well. I, I, I think, you know, this, this idea of each school year, each unit, each idea, if you look at that as like a door, you know, one, we have to step up to that door and choose to like walk through it. But two, if you think about doors in our lives, it's kind of like that old saying, all roads lead to Rome, sort of. All doors eventually lead outside, right? Like you could leave one room to get to another room, but eventually you're outside. And outside is endless possibilities, right? And I like this idea in, in this quote that every door leads somewhere, but it's up to you to decide like the final destination, I guess, if I was to kind of add to that, like you get to decide where it goes. So when you walk through one of these curriculum goal doorways, you kind of get to set where that leads to and like how much work you're going to dedicate. Like, am I going to finish that leaderboard? Am I going to fully walk through that door and make it all the way to the end? Or is it half-baked? Am I going to go through a little bit? <laughs> and it ended with me collecting some new ideas and new new things that I'll use somewhere, but I didn't finish the product, you know? And But then there'll be another doorway that I get to walk through. I, I love it. It's a great quote, Jackson. And every half-baked idea leads somewhere else. It might lead you off in a completely different way that you never thought about before. 100%. So, that's awesome. When I think about this, it, and what really blew my mind was, first of all, there's such an adult quote from you know, a junior in high school, and which kind of makes sense because they're thinking about their futures now. Um, but what I think about it from kind of what we're talking about is that the biggest element of gamification for me and the one I find most important is the idea of, of student choice, right? That if it is it's not a meaningful choice, then there's really no reason to to even put it before the student. Um, I see classes, uh, my classroom is just a series of doors and the students are able to kind of open whichever door that they want to go to. And unlike the old quote where, like I used to joke that I give my students a, or I give my kids a choice every night for dinner, right? They can, they can either have peas or they can have carrots, which is not really a choice. Um, with this quote, though, I'm thinking like those doors are leading to different places that and, and they get to decide where that that goes, um, not only in the choices that they have on a given day, but um, they can have the choice to, to succeed or not succeed. They have the choice to um, go in many different paths in many different directions and, and they can end up where they want to end up. So it was just such a insightful moment from a student that that made me rethink some of the things that I was thinking about, too. I love it. Well, thank you for bringing that quote, and thank you so much for being on the show today, Adam. I really appreciate it. It's always great talking to you. Well, I love being here, and I appreciate you having me on. So thank you very much. We'll do it again uh, this summer. Let's catch up and see where you're at. Uh, yeah, we'll have to find some time. Yeah. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I absolutely love you guys sharing these things out, tweeting them. Uh, if you want to comment on them a great place to do that is at the youtube channel every episode's up there i guess starting somewhere around episode like 40 something yeah they're all up there so if you want to like comment there we'll see them we can write back to you uh everyone sign up for the hive summit if you haven't done so already hivesummit.org great conference coming up in august get your ticket and the ticket will also give you access to previous content through these honey drops so check those out uh, everyone enjoy your week and play on <laughs>